everybody. Okay, so we are going to be... Good morning. Thank you. Uh, we are going to be in the New Testament this morning, so we're going to be stepping out of Genesis where we have been in the past. Uh, we will be in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, there's one around you. If you don't have a Bible, that one is yours. So 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17. I hope everybody's doing well this morning. I know that we're getting out of the routine of the school year and coming into the summer. Uh, it's been a busy month for me. Graduated, got engaged, I'm moving at the same time. Just all the things in a month, so it's good. So bear with me this morning. I know I'm, I'm different than what you're normally used to, but hey, we're going to be here and I'm excited about it. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read our passage. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So, before we dive into this, I want to give us a little bit of background. So, Paul is the one who's writing this letter, 2 Corinthians. Uh, you may have heard of him before, uh, through Bible study, through just reading the Bible in general. But, uh, it talks about, in Romans 15, specifically in verse 20, it's talking about Paul's commissioning. So, it says that his job was to go and preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest he's going to build on somebody else's foundation. So what, essentially what he's doing is what we now call pioneer missions or frontier missions. Uh, he's going to the unreached people groups. He's going where there aren't already churches. Uh, so he was the first and probably the greatest of these sorts of missionaries. Uh, so Paul's basically fulfilling the great commission that it talks about in Matthew 28 uh, when it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he's there, he's doing the Great Commission, we know what he's doing now, but what is the purpose of 2 Corinthians, which we're diving into? Uh, so the situation behind this text is that Paul had written a painful, hard-to-hear letter to the Corinthians, and he was a little bit of concerned. He wasn't sure if it had helped them, if it had alienated them, so he's wanting, he's desiring to go and to visit these Corinthians, but uh, the Spirit kept him back, so instead he, he went ahead and he sent Titus to go and to visit them. Now, if you guys know a little bit about geography, which I didn't before I was preparing for this message, um, so Corinth is kind of at the bottom part of what is modern-day Greece, and if you go up the eastern coast, you've got Macedonia up here with Thessalonica and Philippi. So Paul's up here, Titus is down here, Paul's writing a letter down to the Corinthians. Okay, so we've got that taken care of. We're going to dive in now. Okay, so verse 14, it says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. So Paul starts by thanking God for leading us in triumphal procession. Now, if, if I just read this, triumphal procession sounds pretty good, right? You know, like if I said, like, Tim came in, like, and triumphally processed up here. Like, you would say, like, hey, that sounds pretty impressive, right? It's like, that's a pretty good thing. Okay, so, but let's see. So the word, the original word, 
translated lead and triumphal procession is this fancy word that I honestly can't really pronounce. It's like dirham, fianti, whatever. Okay? So it refers to what a great Roman general does when he leads his enemies that he's conquered into captivity, into either slavery or to death. So not as good as it sounds. Um, it's all right. <laughs> you know? a good thing. So what Paul, Paul is saying is he's thanking God for leading us, his enemies, into captivity, into our death, or slavery. Sounds interesting. Okay, so these, this word is used one other time in the New Testament, uh, leading us in triumphal procession. Uh, it's used in Colossians 2.15, which says, God disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them open to shame by triumphing over, so that word again, them in him, who's Jesus Christ on the cross. So let's do a little bit of comparing and contrast. We've got Colossians here with these rulers and authorities, and then we've got the Second Corinthians with Paul. Okay, so it says that Paul, that God triumphed over the rulers and authorities who are not following God on earth in Colossians. And in Second Corinthians, it's talking about how God leads Paul in triumph. So in both instances, either the rulers and authorities or Paul have been defeated in their rebellion against God. Both are being led in triumphal procession and shamed for their rebellion. Okay? But the great difference between what's talking about in Colossians and what it was talking about in 2 Corinthians is that these rulers and authorities were not in Christ, but Paul was. Okay? So let's go back to verse 14 again. It says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. So, in other words, Paul was defeated and taken captive, right? But he was brought to faith and forgiven and justified. He was made glad and a willing servant of the greatest general that there ever was. Paul was in Christ, and that's what makes all the difference, right? So I think that this is a really cool part that we can kind of sit on for one more second. God is triumphant, and Paul is in his service, which is what we're talking about in 2 Corinthians. God is like a great general or leader, and Paul is, is conquered and called to suffer in his service, even die. Okay, so we are called in the same way. We've been taken captive. Yeah. We are believers of the good news, and we are called to serve God in his kingdom, whatever that may look like in our life. Amen. So if we're going back to Paul, Paul knows that there are a lot of adversaries in Corinth who do not accept his authority or really believe that he's teaching the gospel the way that they think that he should. Okay, so um, that's what it was talking about a little bit later in 2 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians 11, 4. So they don't recognize Paul's authority, and they don't see Christ in his ministry. So in other words, Paul knows that he's not triumphant as being a missionary the way that those other people want him to be. Okay? Some people accept salvation, right? And some people don't. Some people see Christ in Paul, and some don't. Some see strength, while others see weakness. He has some success and some failure. So he's human, right? Like, we've all got that going on. Uh, but... The way that he uses this in triumphal procession, he chooses that word to describe him both as belonging to a great victor and simultaneously as a conquered enemy, whose service to the king is to suffer and look weak and even die for him, led in triumphal procession as a defeated foe in service of a great king. So I'm going to read one other little verse right here, and then we're going to keep going. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. So if you guys want to like turn one page, you can look at it. Chapter 4, verse 8 through 12. 
It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you. Okay, so let's keep reading verse 14. It continues, And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's some pretty intense imagery that we've got going on right there. So we are the fragrance of the knowledge of God. So the same imagery is used in Ephesians 5, 2. Uh, which gives the best explanation of like what this is talking about, what this means. It says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, when Christ died for sinners, he was a fragrant offering to God, and it was pleasing to him, right? So, if we're looking back at the Old Testament, uh, they used to sacrifice animals to atone for their sins, right? So, then Christ came, he was a sacrifice, one for all, and his sacrifice was pleasing and sufficient for God. So now that Christ has died, he, the penalty has been paid for us, right? We don't have to pay for all of these things that separate us from God. It's still talking about a fragrant offering, though. And this is in 2 Corinthians, this is after Christ has died, right? So in, it says, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So what this is saying is that Paul is representing Christ as a missionary, and suffering like Christ did in service of this conquering Lord. Then he says, we are the aroma of Christ to God. So, in other words, when we suffer as missionaries in the service of Christ, which we should, whatever that may look like in your life, it's like Christ is suffering for the lost, and God smells that, that fragrant offering, that sacrificial love, whatever you did sacrifice, and it pleases him. So when we sacrifice time, when we sacrifice what we want, we sacrifice maybe sitting down and listening, or when we sacrifice our comforts for the benefit of the kingdom, it pleases and it glorifies God. So let's continue. Verse 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those being saved and among those who are perishing. To want a fragrance from death to death. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So, Fragrance from death to death. That doesn't sound so good. Uh, so some people smell this fragrant, sacrificial love, and all they smell is death, right? They hear the gospel, and all they see is death. They don't see that as an atonement for our sins. They, they don't look at the cross and say, man, that was amazing. They look at it, and they see, like, oh, the guy died. They don't see a future. They don't see hope. All they see smell of death leads to death. That's the heartbreaking side of missions, right? Because if people don't come and know the gospel, like what it says in the Bible is that, like, they're going to go and suffer eternally. They're the people who don't believe. They don't see Christ and his suffering as atoning for us and as taking our place. They don't smell his death for sinners as the sweetest fragrance in the universe. It's simply the smell of death. Now that's the depressing side of this, right? But it keeps going. In verse 16, it says, To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. So those are, who are being saved smell the death of Christ as the aroma of Christ, right? 
Because he came and he died for us so that we don't have to die, so that we can go and live eternally. They see his death as a substitute that they so desperately need before God. The Son of God dying in their place is the fragrance of life. So they don't turn away. Instead, they turn toward him and believe, right? Smelling Christ as the aroma of Christ gives life. So if we keep going, verse 16, who is sufficient for these things? Now, recently in my life, right, I just told you guys I got engaged like two weeks ago. Ooh, it's fun, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but if we look at it, it's like I'm reflecting back and I'm thinking about it, right? He's great. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, but if I'm thinking about it, it's like, man, do I feel sufficient? Did I expect even this? Like, no. That's not what I expected from my life, right? I didn't expect to, uh, like, be soon getting married to a guy who loves the Lord, right? Do I feel sufficient for that? No. Do I feel prepared to be a good wife? No. Like, no, I don't. Like, what does that even look like? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out as I go along. Like, that's, that's not the important part, right? So it's not something that I've had to earn. Like, it's something that I want to do my best at, and it's something that I'm going to work really hard at. But, like, hey, Connor's a gift from the Lord. That's not something that I, I did myself, you know? Uh, that's definitely not what I expected in my life, but the Lord provided him in my life. So in the same way, when Paul's saying, who is sufficient for these things? He's talking about who is sufficient to be the aroma of Christ and to share the good news of the gospel. Like, this is a big thing, right? It's, it's, it's literally the difference between death and life, right? Like, we have been given this commission to go and share the gospel, and that's big. He asks, who is sufficient for these things? Who can bear the weight of knowing this good news and not share it? Or who can know these things and share it and share it well, right? I know that on my own, I'm not sufficient. I'm not even close to sufficient. Do I have all of the good words? No, I don't. But, hey, the Lord and the Holy Spirit is, is good to provide those. And so in one sense, the answer to this question is no one. But that's not Paul's main point. Nor is that where he stops. He said in 2 Corinthians 1.12 and Romans 1.5 that he carries out this very ministry by the grace of God. Paul was not sufficient. And Paul was really great. Paul was not sufficient. You and I in and of ourselves are not sufficient. No missionary or follower of God is sufficient no matter how awesome they may look. But... 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Our sufficiency is from God. We don't have to be sufficient in and of ourselves, right? God's with us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. We live in light of the new covenant. We have the Holy Spirit as a helper. God does not leave us, but gives us help. He doesn't expect us to do it ourselves, but he prepares us well to go with what we need. There's a saying I've heard before, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. I'm sure you guys have heard that before. He, he's not, he doesn't wait for you to have everything in order, right? Because that's just not realistic. We're never going to have everything in order. There's never going to be an ideal situation where it's like, okay, now, now I feel prepared enough to share the gospel. That's not realistic. Like, we live in a broken world. But he does prepare us. He does equip us. And he's faithful to give us the words. And he's faithful to give us the Holy Spirit that works through us. There's nothing that we can do 
to change somebody's heart or to earn someone's salvation. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be fervent in prayer, faithful, and opening up the word. Of course, we should be. But we're not the ones that are going to change another person's heart or lead another person to salvation. The Holy Spirit does that, but he is faithful, and he's willing to use us as a vessel for that. Like, what a, what a big gift. So, we're going to be in verse 17 now. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. Okay, so when I first read this passage a few years ago, I looked up what the word peddlers mean. Because that's not really something that we use nowadays anymore. But, so when I was preparing for this a couple of weeks ago, it was nice and written in my margins right there. So peddlers means that it's, let's see, it's someone who's going from one place to another place selling something, specifically with the purpose to make money. So it says that we are not peddlers of God's word, right? We're not seeking to earn money or to earn someone's salvation, because that's impossible anyways. So we are not peddlers, we're not people who go around selling the gospel. But, it continues, as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. So, what it's saying is like, we're not going to go and sell the gospel to somebody, right? We're not going to try to go and spread the gospel to make money. But we spread the gospel out of sincerity, out of vulnerability, out of realness, and out of a love for Christ. I've been on quite a few mission trips the past few years, and I've been to quite a few places, but the thing that I took away the most is that um, when we're real and we are vulnerable and we're able to tell other people the things that we struggle with, like that's what speaks the most, because it's something that's relatable to somebody else. When we act like we have it all together and we can do it all, like I believe that that robs the gospel, because the beauty of the gospel is that we weren't enough, that we couldn't do it. It doesn't matter how good we are or how many things that we've accomplished, right? It's never going to be enough. We're always going to fall short. And so the power that we have is like, yes, we are weak, but the Lord is strong. And he uses our stories, like whatever that may look like, if that's good or that's bad or if that's ugly or if that's pretty, he uses that so that we can relate to other people. So we can say, man, like this is a broken world with broken people, and I have a broken story. But like the Lord is powerful, and he works through that, and he will use that. So, Jesus took away the punishment for our sins so that we can share it with freedom. The freedom that we have from the chains and the consequences of sin and the lies that it has that manifest in our lives. If that's feeling insufficient as a mom, if that's problems at work, if that's sexual temptations, if that's anger problems, if that's feeling like a failure, like you fill in the blank. Like it doesn't matter. Like the Lord uses those things for his kingdom, and for the betterment of his kingdom, if we are willing to not look as good. We're not defined by those things. We don't have to pay the penalty for those things anymore. Jesus took those on himself when he died on the cross. Like we don't have to feel ashamed of all of those things anymore. We have the good news that frees sinners from the weight of their depravity, and we're told to share that by the way that we live, and by the way that we act and the way that we talk to other people. Like, that's a big deal. All of us are missionaries. I know this was a lot about missions and stuff. And you don't have to go to an exotic place to be a missionary. 
Like, we're all called to be missionaries. Like, if you know the gospel and you believe in this good news that we have, like, you're called to be a missionary wherever you're at, whatever circle you might be in. If that's work, and if that's in your neighborhood, if that's with your family, it doesn't really matter. Like, we're called to see people, right? To see people and share this good news that we have. Because everybody, like, no matter where they are, is longing for this, like, to fill this void that's within us that tells us that we're not enough. So that looks like like walking into a store and seeing that person, that like cashier, that person behind them, like asking them how they're doing. It's like, that's great. Like I went into a coffee shop one time. It's like talking to this girl about um, like how she was doing and what she was doing over the summer and stuff like that. And uh, we started talking about like, man, how she had walked away from the church and stuff. It's like, man, Everybody has that. You just have to take the time to see them and ask. So, to close this out a little bit, I just want to pose a few questions and then we'll go into a time of reflection as the band comes up. The first question I want to ask, will you speak the gospel with sincerity? Are you willing to not look as good as Instagram or Facebook, whatever, I don't even know. Uh, are you able to be real? Will you be vulnerable with the people around you this week? Will you be aware and open to every opportunity to spread the gospel, even when you don't feel like it? I'm going to say this one more time. The band, you guys can come on, come on up. Uh, will you speak the gospel with sincerity? Will you be vulnerable and real with the people around you this week? And will you be aware and open to every opportunity to spread the gospel, even when you don't feel like it? I'm going to share two more verses with you guys, and then uh, we're going to close out for today. The first one is Psalms 90:12, which says, So teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. In James 4:14, says, You... We are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I hope this is a reminder this week that we need to count our days, right? We're not promised tomorrow. Like, our life is very short, although sometimes the days may seem long. So go out with, like, a passion. Like, we, we're not supposed to just, like, go through each day, you know? Like, we have a purpose and we have this good news that we can share with other people. And we only have a short time to do it. So I hope that we're called and that we're able to steer that time off. Well.